Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Danny Cannell, that's Tom Fernelli, that's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson. Very excited to be with you as we continue draft season. We had our quarterback draft, which has brought out... um, a fun dual response. Uh, I think that listeners who were with us last year understand some of the mentality that goes into building out the quarterback room. And then maybe some first time listeners, uh, a little bit surprised by our picks, but if you haven't listened to it at all, absolutely go check it out. It's going to be something that, you know, we can continue to build off of as we put together our squads and move ahead with the pass catchers draft as we're going to be going down the line, six rounds, four squads, wide receivers and tight ends are your eligible pool of players. Uh, And listen, if you want to go six tight ends, no one's stopping you. If you want to go six wide receivers, no tight ends. You know, we're just running 10 personnel all day. No one's stopping you. A lot of interesting decisions and strategy ahead uh, over the next uh, hour-ish as we break down this Pass catching draft again for 2021. Uh, Before we get into it, Cover 3 listeners, I want to let you know about what's on CBS Sports HQ this week. As always, CBS Sports HQ is the network to start your sports news day at 8 a.m. Eastern with Morning Buzz, an hour of highlights, news, and all the days need to know. I was watching Avery Johnson on there and not only got his great analysis of what's been going on in the conference finals, but found out that uh, he was an officiant at a wedding in Cabo. Looked great. They had, On HQ, they were putting up the photos of him in, in the white suit. Great laugh between Jenny Dell and Avery Johnson. Um, it, was, it, was, it was a good watch here in the morning. Then leave it on all day or just check back in at 6 p.m. where you break down all the night's action and release dozens of picks from the best analysts and cappers in the sports world. How do you watch HQ? It's easy. Go to your Roku, Apple TV, Fire TV, I mean, really most connected TVs, and look for the CBS Sports app. That's what you need, the CBS Sports app through Apple TV, Roku, Fire TV, any connected TV, TV. fire it up, check out HQ, the only 24-7 free sports streaming network. All right, that means it's time. Hit it. That's right. Draft season continues as we take a look at the pass catcher's draft. Now, our draft order for the quarterback draft, uh, as you can see on the Google Doc, bud, check your email. Um, We've flipped it. We did uh, reverse alphabetical order for the quarterback drafts. Now, we will be going in alphabetical order for the pass catcher's draft. That is Bud, Chip, Danny, and Tom, which means that Bud Elliott... You have the first overall pick. Ooh, okay. The first overall pick here. Um, man, this is this is tough. Uh, 
I had a couple guys I, I really considered, um, but I'm going to go ahead and go with uh, with Garrett Wilson. Eh. Damn, 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 damn. <laughs> Look, number I, one I, on the board. I mean, I think he was either number one or number two on, on most of these boards. Uh, I He's been a guy who I've always really liked. He gave me ridiculous views on Twitter and Instagram back when, when I was shooting his highlights at the Adidas 7-on-7 seven seven there out, out in L.A., and he's just a freakishly good athlete who I think keeps getting better as a technical receiver. Uh, and so I, I really trust him. Also, he catches everything. So, yeah, Chris Olave, or uh, excuse me, Garrett Wilson, mm. walking the bus team. All right, so I <sighs> – I've got the next pick, and it is tempting. Uh, you with that little slip right there. It's tempting to go with uh, one of his teammates. I mean, it's tempting to go with anybody in that room. But uh, I'm going to be starting off going young, going with the sophomore who had a breakout freshman season. I know that his totals were anchored by some ridiculous games there at the end of the year, but I think the talent is real. We've seen it from uh, the recruiting trail, and he's already cashed in on that potential. He is the next in line of what's becoming a glamorous position at this university in college football. From LSU, we're going with sophomore Keishon Butte. That's a good pick. That pisses me off. <laughs> the Garrett Wilson or both of them do that. I had it all. I had my whole board now is just completely disheveled because <laughs> I didn't think you would go youth first because that was going to be my plan to go with Butte. Um, to go Mel right, Piper so that, here. If your board is screwed after two picks and you're at three, no, 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 like that, no. That's, I'm just we got to work on the GM the skills off a was, little bit. He's just pissed because he wanted Boudé with his first. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I, I did not see Chip stepping in front, running me like the way he did. All right, I'll go with Alave uh, in his absence. You heard uh, Bud mention it there. I think he's. Um, one of the closest things to a surefire hit. I did want some of that youth movement, but he had an incredible year last season. You saw what happened uh, to Fields when he was out and the difference he made being back on uh, the field when he came back to health. But awesome route runner. He's got tough end speed. He's got body control. Um, He's got exactly what you look for. So I'm going to take Chris Olave. All right. So, well, Am I going to break the tight end seal? I think I, I'm going to break the tight end seal here. Do it. Because, you know, it's if you'll notice, if you look at, and this isn't really college football, but if you look at the NFL and the trend, like every team that wins a Super Bowl these days has something in common. They have a dominant tight end that can both be used in the run game and the passing game. And I want to get a guy like that in my offense. I want to get my own version of Kyle Pitts because I think that when you have that, it really opens things up for you elsewhere with everything else that you want to do on offense. So with my first pick, I'm not even sure what school he's at at this point. <laughs> but I'm taking Eric Gilbert. He's at Georgia. Wow. And yeah. it was confirmed. We saw his car pull in <laughs> to the parking lot. It was confirmed. He started classes. Our, our guy Rusty Mansell uh, filled us in on the Around the Clock series on the Georgia Bulldogs. I, I think, you, Tom, you can comfortably call him a Georgia Bulldog at this point. Yes, I know. I was just joking. Yeah. Uh, for for my next pick, I'll take my first receiver. There's This is tough because, like, the three guys that have been taken were the top three guys on my board. And then after that, there's, like, a lot of very good names that I like. And 
I hate being at this part at four because like the gap between these guys is very, very slim. And I know that they're probably all going to be gone again by the time that I pick next. So I'll take Traylon Burks from Arkansas. Very, very solid pick. Yeah, that's, that's a great pick. I, I had him as my number three guy. I had him as well. So this is twice I've been front run. So the plan is going completely out the window. All right. I'm going to go with the best. I'm going to get my tight end position squared away. I'm going to go with Jalen Weidermeyer out of mm. Texas A&M. Uh, complete tight end, can do both, can run block and can catch. Uh, I think Jimbo is going to feature him a lot this year. So I think he's going to have a huge season breaking in a new quarterback. So I'm going to get my tight end shored up here at this spot. Good pick. Damn it. All right. So if that was between Weidermeyer and Gilbert, I feel like the, the mystery box of never really getting to see him play. yet was just too enticing for me. Um, all right. If, if this is happening, there's a now, now I've got to make some, some decisions on potential versus proven. What I think is going to happen uh, versus what I know, because there's a, there's a veteran tight end who's among the most like, you know, solid, rock solid players, you know, no brainer, you know, feels like a very high floor, but I'm too enticed, especially after a changeover at offensive coordinator of what Jaleel Billingsley is going to be in Bill O'Brien's Alabama offense. I have very, very high expectations um, for the way that he can be used, how productive he can be. We have, I mean, how long has it been since was, uh, how long has it been since Alabama's had a really dominant, like Irv Smith was pretty good. I, I don't know if Irv Smith was a dominant part of that uh, Alabama passing attack. Uh, OJ Howard obviously was, but uh, I think that Jaleel Billingsley could have a monster year. And so with some of these top tight ends from my board uh, starting to starting to go off, um, the seal's been broken. I want to make sure I get one of the ones that I really like, and I really like Jaleel Billingsley. Yeah, Alabama's had like good tight ends for a while, but it's kind of like the situation with their receivers where they had elite receivers. They just weren't using them nearly as much as they have begun in the last few years. And I think you're right. Like, I don't know if I would say Jaleel Billingsley is the most talented tight end that Alabama has had in recent history, but I think he's going to have the best numbers of any Alabama tight end in recent history. I think that makes sense. Um, All right, so I'm up for two. Yeah. All right, just to recap, I have Garrett Wilson on my team so far. And this is, what is this pick? Uh, pick eight, I believe, of the draft. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the tight ends are going off the board here a little bit faster than I wanted them to. And <laughs> to me, like when I listed them out, this is the last guy that I really wanted to take. Give me Michael Mayer. Ah, at Notre Dame. Like, he, uh, he was the only tight end, I believe, who returns in the country who had a first down on more than half of his targets, who had at least like 30 targets. So like when, when Notre Dame needed it, they threw the ball to Michael Mayer. And also, he blocks his ass off. So to me, I feel like that's just that's, that's where we need to go. Uh, also, I have something I'm really excited about. I want to read this off real fast. Uh, if you might want to advertise on the Cover 3 podcast. I just got a fresh batch of data in. I'm just going to do a quick shout-out read-off to our top markets. You got, are you guys familiar with these? Mm-hmm. Kind of cool here. On Spotify uh, or just... Uh, on, no, through, through, through Megaphone. We have the ability okay. to geo-target ads now. So if you want to hit only certain markets, shout-out Atlanta, New York, Dallas-Fort Worth, Chicago, D.C., Philly, L.A., Houston, Raleigh-Durham, Chip, that's got to be family, right? Uh, <laughs> D- Detroit, 
Nashville, Orlando, Columbus, Birmingham, Charlotte, San Fran, Tampa, Greenville, Denver, Boston, Minneapolis, Cleveland, Seattle, Austin, Cincy. I'm so relieved you said Birmingham because I thought we were about to be the first <laughs> anything tangentially related to college football show or game that wasn't didn't have Birmingham on the list. Of Birmingham's like got markets. that heavy college football sports radio, like it's WJOX. Yeah. That that's a uh, that's a tough market to compete in. Um, I just figured I'd read that off. Also, buys me a little more time to make this second pick, which <laughs> I'm about to do. But seriously, if you guys are interested, bud.elliot at cbsi.com is the email. So just hit me up there. Um, we have a way to handle it now, which is great. Uh, so my second pick, I already have a tight end. I have Garrett Wilson. I'm going to go youth uh, here. I'm going to stick with the Buckeyes. Give me Jackson Smith the Jigba. That's... Uh, He's a freak. I think he could end up being the best receiver on that team. If not this year, then by next year. And uh, I think he'll be like a first round pick. So I'm, I'm very, very happy that he is still here at pick number five overall. And it gives me a little youth now. See, this is what I was or, talking excuse, about. Pick nine overall. This is what I was talking about when I said all the names that were on my next pick. Aren't going to get back to you. Was it, was it me. Michael Mayer and <laughs> Smith and Jigba? Oh, they were both on there. Yeah. As, as were Jaleel Billingsley and Jalen Widermeyer. <laughs> Um, let's take it a little bit. I don't know. I'm, I'm cu- curious to see if this guy was uh, high on y'all's board. I am, uh, I am very, very interested, uh, to see if this team, this offense and this player, uh, become a little bit more of a bigger deal nationally because the production from Quentin Johnston from TCU probably did not match the buzz. Uh, and I don't think that that production was, you know, uh, smoke and mirrors. I mean, he's somebody who came in as one of the most highly recruited wide receivers TCU's ever brought into the program. And so to, to see him click initially and expecting another, uh, big leap forward, this is going to be my second sophomore. He, as he lines up with Keishon Butte, Jaleel Billingsley at the tight end position, give me Quentin Johnston from TCU. Chip, he also, I believe led the country in air yards per target. I mean, his yards per catch, receivers. his yards per catch, I think broke records for the big, it might've been like among freshmen, big 12 or something, but his 22.14, <laughs> 22.14 yards per catch. It's stupid. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. So, and the average depth of target. So like they, the average pass to him was 20 yards in the air. <laughs> That's crazy. No, no, no hitches, no bubble screens. Like, let's just go let's deep. Go. He's just running that nine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Danny. All right, I'm up. Uh, I think it's very interesting that Bud chose Jackson Smith Jigba. Are you aware, Bud, of – because clearly he was one of the top wide receiving prospects to come out uh, the class of 2020. Remind me who was the number one wide receiver in that class? Julian Fleming, who I also like. Who was two? Who was two in that year? Jackson Smith Jigba. Okay. So I'm going to go with the number one from your <laughs> own rankings. I'm getting the guy who you ranked higher coming out in the same receiving room. I'll take Julian Fleming. Um, I think he's got – so this is one of those ones where I think it's interesting because people are higher on Smith Jigba here after only seeing each of them for a year. I think there's potential here where Fleming could be kind of flat under the radar with just as much talent, and I need a young receiver on my squad. So I'm going to go with Julian Fleming. So, Danny, I think Fleming has higher potential ultimately. Like, as an athlete, 
he is probably more freaky. I think Fleming is a little bit more of a sure thing, but I mean, we're talking one versus two. Like there, he was next on my young guy list. So this I, receiving core is so. Yeah, I was gonna say, can we take a quick pause to uh, <laughs> as we approach the twelfth pick in the pass catchers draft? Uh, four Ohio State wide receivers have already come off the board. And there are still Ohio State wide receivers on my big board <laughs> remaining. Like the the potential versus the production. I mean, I almost think that it could be a game-to-game thing with Ohio State. Like there really could be some real pick-your-poison in terms of like there not being one consistent. I mean, if there is a consistent go-to guy, that would only speak more to their strength as a performer. I'm, I, I'm Who got stunned. C.J. Shroud in our quarterback draft? Yeah. But... <laughs> I mean, he's, he's going to have a field day. It's just not fair. Danny's just going to Columbus and stealing all the players. <laughs> they had a guy. They they literally had a non-starter transfer to Alabama, and he yes. is likely to start. When, that may be the first and only time in the history of this show that we have ever said, yeah, that kid couldn't start there, so he transferred to Bama to start. Jam- Jameson Williams. Jameson Williams, by the way, for yeah, those who are right. paying yeah. attention, who who could be on a big board for, as an Alabama wide receiver, right? He could now. get drafted. Uh, he, might, <laughs> he might be. Oh, well, you know what? Screw it. Let's let's keep it going. <laughs> Amika Ugbuka, okay. the incoming <laughs> freshman at Ohio State, the number one rated receiver in the 2021 class. Oh wow! Look, Ohio State got another receiver, and I'm putting him on my team. Um, that was my number one rated uh, freshman on the big board, without a doubt. So, and now we've got five in the first twelve picks from Ohio State. He has a little bit of. I don't want to use this name. He's got a little bit of that, like Percy Harvin after the catch, very difficult to tackle because he's strong as hell type thing to him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not that level of player, I don't think. You know, like he's not quite as strong. But I'll get him there. Don't worry. Okay. All right. Like we're gonna, there's there's that to his game too. So like I think they could get him involved early on because he has a physicality about him, you know, run after the catch type ability that I don't know that the rest of the guys on, on that receiver core have. Hold on. And it's not just five of the first 12, okay? Because we've also had four tight ends come off the board. That means five of the first eight true wide receivers <laughs> have been wide receivers one through five. Well, not necessarily in that order from the Ohio State Buckeyes. Absolutely. Are insane. we becoming a Ohio State podcast? <laughs> no, because Ohio State <laughs> fans. We still got a draft defense. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, all right, Tom, you're up for pick number one. You have Eric Gilbert, Traylon Burks, and Emeka Abuka. Uh, tipping my hand as to what kind of offense I'm going to be running here. I am going to be taking Jake Ferguson, tight end, Wisconsin. His Twitter is at Tom Fornelli for all the Iowa State fans since you passed on the Iowa State tight end, Kolar. Right. Uh, but Jeez. All right. That's an interesting pick right there. How, we're going six deep, right? Correct. Okay. So I got a lot more. I got, I got some good players on the board. I'm just trying to spread them out. I got accused the other day. Since it's not in our mailbag, I'll read you a DM that I got yesterday. I've shared with some of you, dude. This one was actually wasn't as bad as some others. Uh, do you honestly, this is from our buddy Stu's right. Do you honestly not like the group of five? I feel like every episode of the cover three, you talk down to us and act like we're nothing. Uh, 
I don't know where he gets that from. I feel like I've always sit here and campaign for the Cincinnati and UCF and the group of five teams, but some people only hear what they want to hear. Hopefully here's this pick because I'm going to go with Romeo Dubs. I got the quarterback and Carson Strong. I'm going to go with his favorite target, who's also starting to creep up the draft boards because he's pretty big. He's physical. He's 6'2". I had 60 catches for 1,000 yards, nine touchdowns in only nine games last year. So I'm going to get quarterback-receiver combo on my squad. Let's go. You did it to me again, you son of a bitch. (laughs) I feel like I'm. Uh, I feel like I'm, I've opened the uh, the menu and I'm overwhelmed because there are a lot of right answers, and I know that the chef only really likes to cook one of these dishes, and I've never been here before, but so not going to know until it gets delivered, or or maybe until I have multiple visits. But as I'm staring down, you know, we've we've had all these Ohio State wide receivers and. There are other schools that I think have competitive, maybe not on Ohio State's level, but competitive wide receiver rooms. I'm looking at a lot of Clemson wide receivers, and I don't know which one I'm going to end up yeah. going with. You know, and it's and I think I kept that at bay because I, I wasn't all the way attracted with, um, you know, Justin Ross. We've got still like the the health concerns. He's make coming back from a, a very. Uh, you know, serious and concerning issue, but he's had great doctor checkups all along the way. They're hoping that he's going to be there. Um, you've got uh, Joseph Nagata, who uh, throughout the spring really started to look like this might be the season that he cashes in on a lot of that promise. A Joe, a Joe from Canada, just an absolute, uh, just so athletic. His run after the catch is so intimidating to track down. Uh, you know, maybe you're a Frank Ladson guy. I, I don't know, but I, I think that ultimately... I'm coming back to someone who seems to be more in the development stage. Like we don't have as many nagging injuries here. It looks like he's been really catching up and this is going to be his breakout year. So that's why I'm going with a Joe, a Joe, the junior from the Clemson Tigers. Mm. Mm. Okay. I, I like that for the upside and you, and he's a young guy too. Um. Yeah. The, you know, I, I thought that Joseph Nagata being fully healthy all spring generated a lot of optimism from within the Clemson program, but he has been nagged by little things here and there that have really kept him from breaking through over the first two years. That's not a reason why I don't think he's good, but when I have to make this decision here in the pass catcher draft, I'm I'm going with the upside of a Joe, a Joe. You got a young room there. Yeah. Are you going to take a crafty veteran with your last pick? Oh, I've got some crafty veterans on here. (laughs) Bud, I really like. I was planning to go young since I'm the recruiting guy, but I feel like I have to be able to, to you know, I got to be flexible and nimble in my my strategy. And since you guys are all going, for the most part, so young, I'm about to just win the Natty this year. Uh, let's just go for it. Give me Justin Ross. Mm, here we go. A run he's, on Clemson. Yeah, he's pretty solid there. I will go ahead and take Mr. Ross. Uh, so that gives me Garrett Wilson, Justin Ross, Michael Mayer. Uh, and then also Jackson Smith Jigba. And then give me Marvin Mims, Oklahoma. I, I just think that's uh, – if so, even if Ross were to not be able to be 100%, I could plug in Marvin Mims. Mm-hmm. I feel pretty good about this year. I'm going to have to – I'm going to go young later in the draft, I feel like. Do you uh, – I mean, I, you might be tipping your hand here because you just named him, but – do you also feel like Marvin Mims is that 
is the alpha in that wide receiver room because it's a fascinating room at Oklahoma. I do. I, I, I think that he's, he's really good. He can beat one-on-one coverage. Like I know Oklahoma scheme stuff open better than probably just about anybody. Uh, but I, I think he's, he's legitimately really good. All right. That puts it back in, uh, in my court. And uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going all the way to Wiley veteran, but I, I am going to go ahead and, and bring in a junior who has uh, you know six, five. He's, he's become, there's a lot of, Talented wide receivers at USC based on potential, but the one who's really broken out has been Drake London. And I, I think that the you know takeaways we heard from USC all spring is that you know, he's he's the one thing you can count on. We don't know what's going to be going on with Brew McCoy. Gary Bryant Jr. is kind of hit and miss. All players that we think can be really, really good, but the one who seems to have shown up and really delivered is London. So uh, you know, it's it's all about Drake at USC. It's Drake Jackson on the defensive side, Drake London on the offensive side. So uh I'm just going to have a Hennessy in my hand for this one dance with Drake London here in the fifth round uh, to join Kayshawn Butte, Jaleel Billingsley, Quentin Johnston, and a Joe Joe. There has been a clearly a love fest uh, on this episode with Ohio State and deservedly so, right? Mm-hmm. Incredible names. Chris Olave off the board. Garrett Wilson off the board. Got some of the youth off the board. I know where All he's going. these guys we've mentioned. Does anybody care to venture a guess who led the Big Ten in receiving yards last year? Ty Fry Fogel. No, oh. <laughs> it was close. He's Parker he's, Washington. He's a super senior, right? We could go super seniors. Fry Fogel. Fry Fogel's on the not, board. <laughs> I am not going to go with Fry Fogel. No, I wouldn't. I that, maybe is. that'll be a bonus pick. That'll be a free agent signing, a uh, undrafted free agent signing for me for a culture builder. <laughs> I'm going to go with David Bell at Purdue. Uh, Averaged 104 yards a game, had eight touchdowns, was clearly their biggest weapon, didn't get as much love as Purdue. (laughs) (laughs) But I want playmakers, man. I'm going to go David Bell. That dude makes some, like, I I don't even, I wouldn't say he's the most physically gifted, but he just, his hands and some of the catches he's able to make, particularly when he's covered and in traffic, he's got some very strong hands. It's like, it's, it's like eye popping some of the stuff he does at times. See, I don't like the names in the 24 seven rankings and the former five stars. I want production. No, but David Bell was highly rated, right? You just take Julian Fleming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. David Bell, I think might have been a top ten wide receiver in his own class. I mean, that was that was like part of the like, oh, okay, let's watch Jeff Brom. He's starting to like go out there, bring it, you know, follow up a Rondale Moore with the David Bell. But um, you know, Rondale Moore never healthy. David Bell, I like that pick a lot. Tom. Well, an Oklahoma receiver went. There's one that I like, but there's one that I like a little more. And I'm going to take him right now. I'm going to take Jaden Hazelwood. Yes. I know I know. Barton loved him. Barton talked him up so much that I feel like I have to take him at this point because I think Barton wants to, like, you know, adopt him and name him his son at this point. But I will take Hazelwood. And for my next pick, I'm going to go young. I'm going to get another youngster in this room. I'm going to go to Alabama. I'm going to take Ja'Cory Brooks. Mm. Two kids I've seen a whole lot. Um, Hazelwood, I got to say, is like one of the most competitive guys I've ever seen in like seven on. I mean, he just 
a lot of times, you know, some of these receivers, they don't always go quite as hard as they could. Hazelwood seemed like every rep really mattered to him, and that kind of stuck with me just because it, it stood out just the effort level consistently when you're watching the whole game. Uh, Corey Brooks is somebody who really impressed me because oftentimes we see these guys as freshmen, or I actually saw him as an eighth grader. I remember distinctly, I was at IMG. This had to be like 2015, I guess, and I don't watch the 15U teams like ever because I don't have time and – both the Pro Impact seven on seven coaches and the South Florida Express. South Florida Express is obviously you know South Florida. Um, Pro Impact is run by a couple of guys who ran NFL DBs out of Jacksonville area. They're both like, bud, you got to come over here and look at this. You got you got to come over here and look. And it was actually um, it was three dudes who would be like future five star or four star type players. And one was Jacory Brooks, and the other uh, was a corner who just signed with Clemson, and the other was Miles Brooks, no relation, who signed with the Hokies. And they went at it a ton, and it was great. I mean, and my thought was, Ja'Cory Brooks is the best player on this field by a ton, but he's also an eighth grader, and he looked older than all the other kids. He was much bigger and faster than all the other kids. And oftentimes, guys, when we have that, and I'm not trying to make this podcast two hours long, but when we have that, a lot of times those dudes, they peak early, and then everybody else catches up to them, you know? And the weird thing with Ja'Cory is just, especially when he's healthy, he just kept getting better. And you don't oftentimes see the guy who's like the best player on the field as an eighth grader be the best player on the field as a 12th grader. Like he just kept getting faster and a little bit bigger and he, his hands got better and he ran better routes. And like he didn't peak physically as an eighth grader. And that's not normal. So I, I Tom, I love that pick. Thank you. Jaden Hazelwood and Puka Nakua are on the Barton Simmons like Hall of Fame. Yes. Couldn't <laughs> stop talking about Jaden Hazelwood. And Puka Nakua. <laughs> did Puka? Where did Puka end up now? Because he did transferred he back at Washington, or did he end up on Utah? Mm. Nakua. I need to update my spreadsheets. Um, right. He is. I think he's at Washington. Nope. No, he's gone. Oh, BYU. There we go. Because right, he, he was looking at, at Utah as well, right? Uh, all right, Danny, you right. have Chris Olave, Jalen Wiedemeyer, uh, Julian Fleming, Romeo Dubs, David Bell. What are you going to do with your sixth and final pick here in the pass catcher draft? All right, it's one thing to build a five-star roster, but it's another one to build five-star culture, which is what I'm going to do right here. I'm going to take one of Iowa State's own, Charlie Kolar, to add another tight end to my receiving core here right here. Could have gone to the NFL before last season. I don't, wouldn't you say everyone would have said Kolar was going to go ahead of Pitts last year? Like he had more pub coming in as far as yes. all American teams. And then the season just kind of wasn't the best year for him or Brock Purdy. Could have gone to the NFL this year, decided on a flip of a coin. He was going to come back. He's got more uh, touchdowns, 17, than any other tight end in the class. He's got 1,400 total receiving yards over his career. I think he's a perfect fit for my offense. What I'm running, give me some of that leadership in the locker room as well. I'll take Charlie Kolar. Frustrating. Uh, I really committed myself to a two tight end room right here, and I, I wasn't going to let the Iowa State fans just, you know, sit here and punch their iPhones for the rest of the draft. Like we had to, we had to give them Charlie Kolar at some point, especially after mentioning his actual name. So you. You jumped ahead of me 
and you've totally changed uh, it, what we are going to be about. But I can still get Wiley Veteran. I can still get Five Star Culture with the aforementioned Ty Freifogel from Indiana. So we're going to round this out, not with the tight end. We're going to you know, totally change uh, our offense, but uh, I like what we're always going to be able to be versatile with our pieces here, but uh, I, I don't want to let Freifogel go this entire draft, especially after being named uh, without getting drafted. So I rounded out uh, Kayshawn Butte, Jaleel Billingsley, Quentin Johnson, and JoJo, Drake London, Ty Freifogel. Final pick, round six, Bud Elliott. What you got? Well, if this is the last pick, I guess I can tell you who I have on my board and uh, just listeners can kind of go inside gonna, the process. We're going to do some of that after the break. All right. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, well, I need another young guy, I feel like. And uh, damn, there's so many good seniors still, or like like upperclassmen still left. Uh, and The two guys I want to pick are both in the same team. Is one of them a true freshman? Yeah. And the other guy, I believe, is a junior. Mm-hmm. Which one are you going to go? Sell out for this year and then take a new job at Blue Blood. That's what I'm going <laughs> to do. Yeah. I, I, uh, I can't believe he's still available. I have to do this. I really wanted to go young. Give me John Mechie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, he stepped up last year when Waddle got hurt. I know he was playing opposite of Dante Smith, but he was really good. And uh, you know, if he had been at more camps and stuff, it wouldn't surprise me if his ranking had been even higher. Like, if he had more exposure in high school. I know Alabama absolutely loves him. And, uh, I mean, they are so uh, – they're so high on them, so I'm I'm going to take Matchy. Coming up on the other side, we take a look at our big board, some of the names that didn't end up getting drafted. We grade each other's squads, and uh, I'm I'm guessing that was a Jai Hall was going to yeah. be your true freshman. Yeah, uh, all of the best from the cutting room floor and our draft boards and more next. This is Sandra Oreda from Attacking Third, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Golasso Network, dedicated to all things women's soccer. With the NWSL expanding to 14 teams, the 2024 season promises to be bigger and better than ever, and Attacking Third will be along for the ride from start to finish. Before that, though, we'll be all over the CONCACAF W Gold Cup, where the U.S. Women's National Team is looking to clinch silverware on home soil. We'll also be keeping tabs on the Winter Transfer Window, the Women's Super League, the UEFA Women's Champions League, and elsewhere. Coming to you multiple times a week with game previews, recaps, analysis, breaking news, exclusive interviews, and more, Attacking Third is your one-stop shop for the best coverage of the women's game. Download, follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Make sure you subscribe to Attacking Third. Spring training is in full swing and fantasy baseball draft season is upon us. That means you need to join us on Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every Monday through Saturday for six pods per week throughout the month of March. We'll break down the latest news, spring training updates, players to target, and much more in just five minutes. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Yeah, but I had uh, Abuka and Ajay Hall were the only two true freshmen that I was like, all right, let's 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 try to circle that. Um, disappointed that I didn't end up getting either one of them, but uh, still, you know, I, I understand the process there. What is the, let's go uh, around the horn real quick. What's the highest ranked player on your board who did not get drafted? For me, it is the highest receiver 
is Jahan Dotson. The highest tight end left is Kay Dotton. I had a future play. I had a couple tight ends that I was high on. Isaiah Likely from Coastal Carolina didn't get picked. Jeremy Ruckert not taken. Um, oh, from Ohio State. Like we could have yeah. had another Ohio <laughs> State. Imagine that. Yeah. Uh, Jermaine Burton from Georgia. I thought somebody might jump on him for a, uh, a young player. That's why I had him on mine. Uh, there was another player on here, and I don't know. So I'm going to give away a future, but I was going to ask for Ania Smith at Texas A&M, but I figured, ah, we'll save him for the running back one. But I gave him serious consideration to take as a receiver. I mean, he was the leading receiver on the team, but I do think he's a true running back. So, But he's just a football player. Like, I, I want to try to get him on my team, but I figured stay true to the rules. Go position. I would let you pick him, I think. Like, he, yeah. he plays a whole lot of, like, a lot, a lot of reps at receiver now. Um mm-hmm. All right, so Ajay Hall, obviously. Uh, Ja'Cory Robert, Ro- excuse me, not Robertson, Roberson, the, the Wake Forest guy, is really, really good. damn good, I think. Uh, I got a lot of ACC stuff. Um, Trey Turner, Vatek, just like a first-down machine every time they target him, and that offense wasn't that great last year. Uh, Will Mallory, if I needed a second tight end. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if I wanted to pick an upperclassman who I'm not convinced is like a, a first-round stud. Like If he was a year younger, maybe I'd pick him. Um, Jalen Tolbert to go, to go down to G5. South Alabama, yeah. Yeah, uh, he was a beast. And then uh, Emeka Emeze, NC State NC guy. State. Yep. Yeah, like I know you guys, not everybody watched a lot of ACC, but like they got some dudes who are going to be like top 100 picks, I think. And then Josh Downs at UNC. Somebody's got to catch the ball, and I think Josh Downs is really good. Josh Downs, Kafre Brown, they've got a, they got a couple options there. I had Joseph Nagata as the number three player on my big board and didn't pull the trigger on it. I mean, you heard me like, ex, you know, talk through it. Then there's a big jump. Uh, so did you really have him as your number three player yeah. on the big board? No, I mean that's why you got to just create the board and then just step in and just sort of see what happens. Let it guide you. Uh, Arian Smith, sophomore from Georgia, who just started running track and is already crushing it. I thought he was very oh. intriguing, but I didn't want to like all of a sudden use that little nugget as a reason to throw him on my squad, but I had him pretty high on my board. I had no. seen Arian Smith run since he's from Lakeland, and I uh, we, we were at the Under Armour thing when he was a senior, and uh, I won a couple bets against some guys from another network who were out of like who were out of the region when they took their guy, and I was like, give me all the Arian Smith that, that, that I, I can get, you know, like 50, 20, 100, I don't care. Like, let's, let's go. And he, he got him. Yeah, he's, he's best, so yeah. fast. going to be really exciting <laughs> to see uh, what he can do with the arm talent like JT Daniels there. Uh, Rakeem Jarrett, sophomore from Maryland, had a pretty good freshman season. Uh, Josh Downs, Greg Dulcich, tight end Speaking out of UCLA. Of, we just recorded the Around the Clock series of 24-7 Sports with Maryland expert Jeff Ehrman, uh, which should be out next week or the week after. So be on the lookout for that. He, if you guys play college fantasy football, he had a couple really good uh, uh, tips and, and sleepers for that from Maryland. I guess uh, none of us are believers in modern medicine because I'm vaccinated. George Pickens, George Pickens <laughs> not taken or Dominic Blaylock. And I get, I mean, is it injuries the biggest issue? Because Pickens on the board is a surprise to me. Yeah, he's on my board, but I didn't want to take him because if this is for 2021, I don't even know how much he's going to be playing in 2021. And then there's, you know, he's leaving for the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. Like even if he gets back healthy, is he going to get back out on the field or do you think he's just, his resume is already good enough and he'll just train and make sure he's healthy for the draft. Like I'm not convinced that if he gets healthy, he plays. Yeah. Like if he's a hundred percent healthy right now, I think he was one of the picks. 
If he's, he's a, a I think he's a top four five. pick. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I'm yeah. That's upset. He's one of the picks. Without a doubt. I'm not expecting him. So when you say modern medicine, I'm not expecting him. I thought based on the old timetable, like December, like we'd be talking about him coming back for the college football playoff, right? What year was he hurt? What ACLs, so how many man, months difference getting, in him and Derek King? Wasn't he hurt in the spring? Yes. Yeah, it was probably the spring. Derek King, Derek King was hurt in the bowl months. game. Yeah. He's three got youth on his side, and he's got I, – I feel like ACLs are things that – they're still not quick, but I feel like the timetable is getting shorter. So. Oh, it absolutely is. It's definitely – it used to be a year standard, and then yeah. all of a sudden it's like nine months, and people are pushing the envelope on eight. Yeah, so I think depending on how hard he wanted – like how hard he wanted to rehab and make sure he got healthy, I think there's a chance that he could be back in November. Which is ridiculous yeah. to think about, but it's I don't I, I I'm not ruling it out. Oh, Amari Rogers from Clemson suffered a I think it was an ACL in spring practice and was back on the field in like October. Yeah, not he wasn't he was not Amari Rogers, at right. least not the one we knew, but he was out on the field. And he wasn't as good as he was the next year once he was mm-hmm. like fully healthy. This was the twenty nineteen season, twenty twenty, he was one of Clemson's uh top targets. Which is which is why I kind of lean more towards but what Bud was saying because I feel like if he's got the choice of coming back at like eighty percent before his NFL draft, I don't know if he's going to take that. I don't know if that'd be the smartest thing for him. All right, as we're looking, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say you go ahead because I think you're going to go where I want to go. Is it grading each other's teams? Yeah, that or who who made a reach. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, that's like, part of it. I yeah. look at the Jake Ferguson pick, and I know the type of offense Tom wants to run, but I felt like there were better tight ends available on the board. I don't. Well, let's ask. That's would anybody have taken? Would anybody have taken Jake Ferguson before the draft got back to Tom? No, no, no. I didn't have him. I, I did not. I had him lower on my board than I like. I had Will Mallory as a future play that I would have rather had over Ferguson. You know, a young I guy. I don't think you guys have paid enough attention to Jake Ferguson. Probably. Maybe not. I think he's a pretty good player. I, I like him better than Kolar for sure. I mean, and that's not a knock on Kolar because I think that at this point, I don't think either of them are very good blockers. I think Kolar's a better blocker. I, my problem with Kolar is athletically, I think he's got a huge catch radius and I think he does a fantastic job of using his body to shield off like defenders to get the ball. It's just after the catch, I don't think he offers a ton. I think Jake Ferguson is good, you know, is a good catch radius, is good at catching the ball. And I think he has an after the catch ability to his game that Kolar just doesn't offer. That's why I prefer Ferguson. So I think, speaking of tight ends, I think Eric Gilbert might have been a reach because he was ranked below another. Just crushing Tom's picks. I I agree because the uncertainty. I don't know if he's going to be playing football in the fall. I think he will. I had had the intrigue of six foot seven. 265-pound Darnell Washington. Like, Georgia's got a tight end who is very intriguing. Like, Eric Gilbert might play wide receiver. So I guess I'm not, like, bashing specifically the Eric Gilbert, but he was ranked... Like, I had, I did not end up taking Darnell Washington, obviously, but I had made a, a note for him as someone I was like, man, I don't know that we could see... So, he, to be clear, to- you're thinking that a guy that none of us drafted will keep Eric Gilbert off the field. No, I think that he'll... <laughs> Bump Eric Gilbert outside. Remember, they're playing. They're playing Eric Gilbert at receiver. Yeah, that's the line from Georgia. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going to be using him at receiver. I'm going to be using him in line. I'm going to be using him everywhere because 
but it's, offense for multiple, baby. We're going to be running some 12. We're going to be, you know, we're going to run everything. But it's because they've got an edge rusher at tight end. 6'7", 265, big old frame, ready to come around. Same, to the I, just, I would not take Darnell Washington. Okay. Like, yeah. I, I think that he is, um, I think there's a lot of potential there. Mm-hmm. But I'm not even sure his highest ceiling is at tight end. Uh, like, AKA back to edge or like I mentioned, I called him an edge rusher. Are you saying like no, a defense no, no, no. offensive like, line, like, like not moving down the positional spectrum, moving up it, just like saying, moving, moving to tackle. Yeah. There's, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but like, I do think he has a higher ceiling there. Potentially. There's no personnel unit you can throw out on defense that I can't take advantage of with my core. There's okay. none. Um, let's see. David Bell, Romeo dubs, Charlie Kolar. You do Chris Alave. Yeah, Danny. Can Tom's solid. team take the top off? Can, can mine? No, can can Tom's? Like that's the one question oh. I have about Tom's is like, Emeka can really run. You know, Burke's more of a contested ball guy. Not that he's slow. Jacory can really run. So I guess his two young guys have a ton of speed. Mm-hmm. You know, Hazelwood is not really a burner. I don't know. It'd be interesting. How would you, uh, who would you trot out, bud, from your roster if you had to like go go out there and line them up? You got Garrett Wilson, uh, Jackson Smith, Jigba, Justin Ross, Marvin Mims, John Mechie as your wide receivers, Michael Mayer from Notre Dame as your only tight end. Like, what, how do you imagine trying to put that together? I'm probably playing three by one, you know, we, we haven't done the running back draft yet, but like, I, I think Garrett Wilson is pretty clearly my ex. Um, you know, Smith and Jigba will have to earn his way out of the team. That's more of a future pick. Or earn his, earn his way into the starting spot. You know, John Mechie was a really good player out of the slot. He's already gray shirt his ass. <laughs> He's going to earn his way out of the team. <laughs> um, and I, I think I'll, I'll put Mechie in the slot, you know, or Mims. And then if Justin Ross is healthy, then that's kind of the wild card of the draft to me. Like if Justin Ross is actually fully healthy, then I just got a, the guy who would probably go one or two overall in the fourth round. You know, but he may not be healthy. That's why I, I took another receiver instead of two tight ends. They've been. Yeah. Did you hear like the like they're talking about Justin Ross in the slot, and that was like a, a big like oh Justin Ross in the slot. Let's see what happens. I, I don't know if I've had a, a strong reaction to think that that's going to be like the one dominating schematic change. Having somebody who's what six five there at the slot receiver position is intimidating without a doubt. But uh, I I didn't see that as like a sign that this is going to be. And I, I didn't, I didn't put as much value to it. You know, it'll be interesting. Uh, a lot of teams are using their better receivers in the slot. I, I think it, it it pairs fairly well with some like the glance RPO game that guys are running now. Um, Clemson also really does not throw the ball to tight or to tight ends all that much. They had who's the guy they had in 2016, uh, the team that actually beat Bama the first time. Not Davis Allen. I think no. Davis Allen's uh, the one on the team right now. Like they really don't throw the ball to tight end all that much. So having Justin Ross is a bigger body. Jordan Leggett. Um, Jordan Leggett. You know, he, he caught some balls. But other than that, they really don't throw the ball to the tight end a ton. Um, I think Justin Ross in the slot could be fine. Like it also, you know, for a guy coming off a neck injury, you know, you don't get in the slot pressed. Right. Mm. So like that, I, I could see it work. You're, you're seeing more and more. Also, um, teams that run a whole lot of uh, smash. Oftentimes, like to go with a bigger slot. You know, Danny could talk about the angles of, of throwing that. Yeah, we ran a ton of smash, all like a lot when I was in Tallahassee. But the uh, the advantage of coming out of the slot and 
you know, smash typically is a some sort of underneath route on the outside, some sort of corner route from the inside. But if you get somebody who's really good at running that corner route, we had Kez McCorvey, who was my guy who was running that, or E.G. Green, both of them. But we also ran a lot of four verticals. So that middle guy is attacking that safety who he's taking on, or if there's a single safety, he's trying to press him to keep him in the middle of the field. And if he's a guy that's versatile, that has played some of the outside as well, what you can do with him creates so many mismatches that it's just, it's almost unstoppable. That was probably Did one of my got- favorite routes to call and run at Florida State. We just mirror him. We do double smash on both sides and you can kind of pick your one. And then if you ran the smashes with the corners, uh, and there were two safeties, and those corners started to pull out. It was kind of nice to have work done. Who you could come out of the backfield and go right down the middle of the field and get past the middle linebacker, and you could hit a home run with him too. It was, it was almost unstoppable. That used to be like a go-to play line on NCAA. Yes, yeah. like you're <laughs> yep. running back streaking down the field. Um, did you guys tag that? Like, to, yeah, we would tag what, it. So was it was it a pre-snap check that you that you would convert to four verts, or, or would you or would, would Kez read no, it on the fly? The only thing we would tag with it. So we either run the four verts, they either call it. It was five sixty vertical was the name of the play, and that was the one where Kez would read it because one of the one of the inside routes that were running vertical on five sixty vertical would run it. You know, you'd either run straight up the hash. One had a read where if there were two safeties, he would break into the you know, he'd break in the middle where the middle of the field was open. So that was always Kez or when Kez was done, it was EG Green would read that one. And then this the the adjustment off the smash was it, we'd had a uh, a Dino route, which we called it, where you would fake the corner route and come right back across the safety's face under the middle. And Kez was incredible at that. He would break safety's ankles because they had seen the smash so many times. And he would just – he'd have them going to the corner and then he'd cut it right across the middle. And we had – there's a couple. The Virginia game on Thursday night, which we lost, ironically. I think I had 467 in that game. There were a couple I had such a good feel with him where I could throw the ball to the middle of the field before he came, like before he even started to break the guy's ankles, I would cut it loose and then he'd be catching it right off his break. And if you could get him in stride, it was even that much bigger of a, of a scoring play. So this is kind of a hidden thing since we're on the receiver show, if, if we could take another minute on yeah. it. Um, like the guys you mentioned strike me as dudes who were like, intelligent football players like there's not not you can't have every receiver on the team be somebody you're asking to you know to read coverage on the fly and adjust this route like people are like oh height weight speed look how big and fast this guy is but sometimes those guys you know they don't always necessarily correlate with the dudes who are like the best thinkers or understand the the intricacies of coverage it like there were certain guys you trusted to do that and then certain guys you're like please just ask them to one to run one thing right two of the guys that i mentioned here kez mccorvey and warwick dunn we had plays designed just for them. And there were other places you could go, but we had 60 Y option. Kez was the slot again, the Y. So he's, you know, basically right in the middle of the field. And with the Y option, he could break it off out. He could break it off in. He could, if it was zone, he'd hook it up and come right back to me. But there was, there's a trust level that becomes there where I knew he was going to make the best decision every time. Same thing with, we had tailback option with work done in the out uh, on the, in the backfield where we'd run 560 vertical down the field. They're clearing out. So you get a lot of people running. If you had you know, two man or something like that. It was like, all right, give me work done against any linebacker. And again, based on leverage where they were going to go, he would break right, left, or hook it up if it was zone. And 
every time you could get it to them and know they were going to make the right decision. And there were other guys, I don't want to call any of them out, but there were other guys who literally had to hold their hand in the huddle. And what, what do I run? And what do I have this route? And as a quarterback, you just, you're going to gravitate toward the guys that you can trust and that you don't have to tell them where they're going to be every time. And then like you're talking about, bud, the next level of that is where you can trust them to read things out because there are a lot of defenses that you run a certain route. They're going to be able to cover it no matter how great you are. But if you let a receiver adjust off of what he sees, then it's almost unstoppable because then he's got the answer to whatever they're trying to counter with. And then you get into that game of chess, which is really fun when you got somebody who knows what they're doing. Do you ever That's usually the answer, by the way, when somebody's like, why can't this guy, this, this, you know, this four or five star get on the field? It's because he was a four or five star because he had freakish measurables. He projects well, he catches the ball well, he doesn't get the mental side of the game. You know, like that's typically when we miss on receiver, that's oftentimes where we miss. Because it's just not something that you can really simulate in high school all that much. Do you see it in the seven on or hear from the seven on seven coaches? Uh, like, I don't, I don't want to bag anyone bad, but is there anyone that's come through recently that comes to mind as someone who their high school coach or their seven on seven coach was highlighting the, the way that they seem to be advanced among their peers in terms of the mental side of playing wide receiver? I remember talking to Tony of Hustle about Josh Downs, how he thought he was really heady and how he could play early on. Yeah. Um, but like normally in seven on, they're not running a whole lot of routes that you're converting. You know, a lot of these dudes, the one thing I don't like about seven on is some of these coaches will literally sit right, right behind the quarterback, tell, tell him. him exactly who's yeah. going to be open based on every read of the defense. And then like, tell him who to throw it to as the play is going. When to throw right, it wait, to. Wait for him to clear, wait for him to clear, wait for him to clear now. Like over and over again. Like that's not really, who's learning from that? No one. It's just. I can lead a horse to water. Wait, no. <laughs> catch, catch a fish and feed him. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, we, we learned a and lot. Just in, in general, in the NFL, the difference between guys that play the NFL average, you know, three years versus the guys that play 13 or 15, like Larry Fitzgerald, I guarantee you, is a smart football player. Yes. Yeah. You know, the guys that last a long time, they're not always the most talented. They're smart. And they know how to prep like a pro. They know how to get themselves ready physically. But then the bigger aspect, they know how to handle the what what comes with reading defenses. You know, not just knowing what route you have to do, but why are you running it? What you know, and then going over and giving intel back to the offensive coordinator and your quarterback. Like that smart aspect is what separates guys from being Hall of Famers and just being average Joes. Yeah, like so, you look at, you look at oh, Tom sorry, Brady sorry. right now, who's been playing for 100 years. It's really hard to confuse him before the snap. He might make <laughs> a mistake physically, you know, but it's like it's it's hard to confuse him and not let him know what's coming before the play starts. Yep. So we learned um, a lot of things uh, here on this podcast, you know, but I especially took away that it wasn't Danny's fault. He had 467 yards, okay? Y'all got to stop coming <laughs> for right. Danny about this Virginia loss. I had three picks, though. <laughs> Two of them in the red zone. It was my fault. I'll take the blame for that. It was that. a Texas Tech kind of game? Yeah, it was it, brutal. Oh, man. And, well, actually, Mark Rick said it was his fault because we didn't. We kept throwing it. There were. This was something you didn't see a lot. I know now we see a lot of rush three, drop eight. And I it was pretty sure it was Al Groh was the defensive coordinator. He was like... We're just going to let them pick us apart, not going to try to give up the big plays. And we kept throwing it. And eventually, like, I tried to squeeze in a window in the red zone. We should have been running the ball. That was Mark Rick's, like, apology to the team was, you know, or to, like, in the conversation after was, we should have ran it more. 
you know, we should have dominated the line of scrimmage more. But tell you what, gentlemen, definitely didn't help. Yeah. You know, uh, Al Groh is um, like for all the good. I think he was actually a really, really smart defensive mind. I think he's really good on the radio, too. Like surprisingly yeah. paints a good picture uh, of of what's going on. I've never heard him on TV. He uh, he's basically the reason or one of the reasons why they changed the rule around who you can hire. Remember, as a graduate assistant, it's like, wait a second. Like you can't go from being the, the defensive coordinator head coach of the Jets to being a graduate assistant at Alabama. Right. like That's why you have to be a certain number of years removed from college or not have like a certain number of years, like paid coaching experience now or whatever, the, whatever the new rule is. It's kind of in my head, the, the Al Grove rule. So Terry Bowden met the like specifications for that. He was, was he a graduate assistant or he was like a specialist? I forgot what he, he did. Might've been, was he might've been, he was a thing. GA. He was a graduate assistant at Clemson this year yeah. and he earned his graduate degree at graduation. Uh, and now he goes to ULM to take over. I mean, he's, you know, just like anyone else, graduate and go get a job. <laughs> just They're on my maybe go winless list, by the way. I was ULM. looking at their FCS opponent, and I'm not sure they win a game. Mm. Mm, those are always fun. Over, under. Under one. Let's go. Speaking speaking of over, unders, I'm, I've been, Chip, you did your ACC over, under to- post this week, right? It's th- mine runs Thursday. Yeah, I, I'm writing, I'm finishing my Big Ten one now. It runs today. Just want to say again, you're cowards if you have a round number. That's all I want to say. Cowards. <laughs> I told Bud earlier that uh, that when I ran the Chipolytics, it came up with Pitt 10 and 2. So I got to rework the formula because Pitt <laughs> is not going 10 and 2. There's yeah, that would be Indiana fans. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Just... And watch out. Indiana fans are coming for you. All right. One more time. You, oh, go ahead. What did you go with for Indiana? Uh, six and six, right? Yeah, they make a bowl. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, it's just there's like a there's a couple of Barely. there's a couple of conference losses in there that are going to make Indiana fans angry. Uh, just to review one more time before we get out of here, Buds pass catcher draft hall, Garrett Wilson from Ohio State, Michael Mayer from uh, Notre Dame, Jackson Smith Jigba from Ohio State, Justin Ross from Clemson, Marvin Mims from Oklahoma, John Mechie the third from Alabama, Chips pass catcher draft team, Kayshawn Butte from LSU, Jaleel Billingsley from Alabama, Quentin Johnston from TCU, Ajoa Joe from Clemson, Drake London from USC, and Ty Freifogel from Indiana. Danny gets things started with CO2 himself, Chris Alave from Ohio State, Jalen Wiedermeyer from Texas A&M, Julian Fleming from Ohio State, Romeo Dubs from Nevada, David Bell from Purdue, Charlie Kolar from Iowa State and Tom Scott, Eric Gilbert from Georgia, Traylon Burks from from Arkansas, Emeka Abuka from Ohio State, Jake Ferguson from Wisconsin, Jaden Hazelwood from Oklahoma, and Ja'Cory Brooks from Alabama. Yep, Alabama. Ja'Cory Brooks from Alabama. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Bud Elliott Three. You can follow him at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Danny Canelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. See ya. If you want to win your fantasy football league, it starts right now. The offseason is the best time to get ahead of the competition. We'll help you win your league on the Fantasy Football Today podcast, part of CBS Sports Podcast Network. Fantasy Football Today has three episodes every week following the latest news, giving you early rankings, early sleepers, breakouts, and busts, 
So if you're a dedicated fantasy football manager, check out the most dedicated podcast, Fantasy Football Today. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found.